Hi, everyone. My name is Kate. And I'm Kayla. And you're listening to ArtWise. All right, everyone. Happy Tuesday if you're listening the day this comes out. If not, happy whatever day it is for you. Back at you with another episode of ArtWise. Today, I have an amazing guest, Kayla. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you're about and what you're here on ArtWise to talk about. I just said about like seven times in that sentence, but it's, <laughs> that's fine. I will be sure to repeat myself plenty too. So I'm Kayla. I am the artist behind Fantasy Figments a small business that provides uh, character illustrations and custom dice sets for tabletop role-playing games. That's really cool. I, when, um, when I started like contacting you for like the podcast stuff, I uh, was looking at your account and like, you have like the coolest dice I've ever seen. I don't know if that's like a weird (laughs) <laughs> the coolest dice I've ever seen like the dice that you made I'm like how the how <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you how she do that that's crazy so to start off I usually ask every every guest that's on the podcast there's a couple of questions that I ask everyone because they're important and the first one that I always ask is like how did you begin your art journey so like was becoming an artist something that you've always wanted to do or something that you fell into or something that you learned about yourself later on like how did the story of like how you got to where you are now how does that story go for you yeah I think a lot of artists will tell you that they grew up holding crayons and loving to draw like from childhood I think there's like everybody in childhood loves to to create things and whether that passion or that interest stays is you know influenced by a bunch of different factors in their life but both of my parents were were creative people. My dad went to school for architecture for a time, and my mom was a graphic designer for years before computers and Photoshop was even involved, you know, back when it was all just pen and paper and screen printing to create designs. So she was a big part of continuing to foster my initial interest in creating and illustrating when I was younger. And then when I was graduating from high school, I opted to go into um, character animation for my degree. And throughout my degree, learned that's not what I wanted to do for my job. I learned a bunch of invaluable skills, like how to work in a team. And and I was able to grow my skills as an illustrator because I was I was the role of art director on the film that we made for our thesis. But afterwards, I decided I didn't want to go into the industry after learning more about it and what was involved. And the passion really wasn't there. So I actually work full time now as a graphic designer at a university. And in my spare free time, air quotes, I do my my side business and continue to do my own personal illustrations as well. That's really cool. How do you find balance between a full-time job and your business? Sometimes I don't. (laughs) Sometimes I end up working a full day at my job and then I'm all burnt out and I don't want to do anything else. You know, it kind of depends on what the tasks are for the day. If I'm, if I'm doing my day job that day, you know, if I'm heavily involved in designing something at the end of you know, the work hours, I may just decide, you know what, it's time for some tea and some Netflix and I'm, I'm done with this. But if I'm sitting there clicking away at a mouse, organizing text and setting up documents, then, you know, I'm like, I'll pick up my pen and, and maybe draw a little or pull out my 
resin supplies and get to work on on something else that kind of helps break up the monotony of the day. But you know, it's it's all it's all a balance, and I try not to be too hard on myself on the days that I'm not super productive doing things. Try to be kind to myself on those days. Absolutely. I actually, I just told you before we started recording, but everybody who's listening knows I have been a graphic designer as well. Corporate eight to five graphic Mm -hmm. designer. And I actually, I put in my my notice, my letter of resignation uh, yesterday. So it's uh, March 12th at the time of we're recording this. So this episode is going to come out way later. But like to anyone who's been following my situation, I just quit for pretty much the exact reason that I can't balance both anymore. And if I want my business to continue growing, I was at the point where I had to choose one or the other. And not only that, you know, I wasn't really happy with the company and it wasn't really matching up with like my morals and values and the way that they were handling, handling things and kind of forcing people to go back to the office without even asking us if that's what we wanted. And, Mm. you know, that effectively would have basically killed my business because the commute would have added an extra two hours and I would have been twice as exhausted being in a, you know, I don't know. Do you work in an office setting? I have had the opportunity to continue to work from home since we were taken out of the office. And that is a big part of why I've I've stayed doing what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. So that was the same reason too. I I worked from home because of COVID. We started working from home March of 2020. And we worked from home for two years until uh, they they basically told us, no, we're not going to do that anymore. So starting in April, you guys, I got to go back. And that was like the last straw for me was like, well, you know, my freelance is doing pretty good. My business is doing really well. And if I want it to grow anymore, I have to put time into it. And if I am going to have to put more time towards this job and more money towards this job too, because like commuting is is honestly like a pay cut in and of itself, because especially gas prices right now. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, they've gone back down a little bit. But gas is like $5 a gallon where I live. And it's like... Uh, they waited for gas to go up to $5 a gallon before they said, okay, you guys can come back to the office now. It's like ridiculous. Right. I think they planned that. <laughs> it seemed intentional. They literally, and like, I, I brought up all these points too, and I was quitting and I was just like met with just, I don't understand why you're quitting. Like I was just met with like, this company is good, good to us and you're lucky you got to work from home for two years. And I'm like, I'm not lucky anything. It was like for everyone's safety. And now like they're making a decision that like literally disregards everyone's well-being. And it's just like, it's equally as messed up in my opinion, but what do yeah, I know? I, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's really exciting, though, to start off in a new direction or continue in a direction you've already gone in and build upon it. <laughs> it kind of feels like starting. It's it's yeah. surreal because, you know, for me personally, it's been a huge goal to take my business full time <laughs> and not have to do other things. But yeah, so I was just wondering, too, where did you get the idea for your business, Fantasy Figments? So... I had previously been doing illustration work and commission work for character illustrations, probably for the past 10 years or so, kind of off and on. And then whenever I saw the first resin dice post I came across on my Twitter feed about three and a half years ago, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I was just starting to get into playing Dungeons and Dragons with my boyfriend at the time, now fiance. And it was like, oh, I've, I've always loved making artwork that's specific to my character. Now, if I can make a dice set that's specific to the character I'm playing, it's like this cohesive thing. And at the time, 
it was really early on in in the hobbyist craft of of making dice. Now it's grown exponentially, but back then, you know, there was like a handful of people making and sharing their work, and maybe like a couple random videos on YouTube of somebody who had made like a small tutorial on how to make like a dice mold out of silicone. So it was a lot of trial and error, but really just driven by the idea that I could create something something custom to use while I was playing. And so just to just to clarify, because I'm not I'm not really sure. I've looked I've looked at like your TikTok account and stuff, but I haven't yeah. like fully completely stalked you and researched your your business completely. But so is that like a service you offer is like custom dice sets like to characters? I do. Yeah. Typically when I have shop updates on my website, I will do a certain amount of pre-made designs that are created um, based on whatever inspired me for that batch. And then I'll usually offer a few custom sets where I'll have someone fill out a template and collaborate with them to develop some of their their own designs based on whether it's a character or just something visually that they like. One of the most recent ones I made was actually based on Fallout New Vegas, <laughs> the video game. So it was like a diorama set that had like hand sculpted like cow skulls and cacti and things like that. That's really cool. So another question I had too, which I I don't know if you would like know this, like, I don't know if you like keep in touch with like your customers after they get their dice, but I'm really curious, like, do people, I mean, obviously, I guess like some people would probably use the dice sets, but I would be so nervous to like mess them up. Like I would be like, I'm going to just frame these and put them on a shelf and never touch them because they're too pretty. <laughs> Yeah, there are definitely some people who do that. There are more collectors than people who use them. They just have them there for visual. But like there's there's Facebook groups that are like thousands and thousands of members strong of dice collectors. There's a huge market out there. Like I'm sure this exists in a bunch of other areas and in crafting areas as well. Like there's probably, you know, hidden Facebook groups with millions of people in them for specific niche topics that I don't even know about. But some people will, you know, like comment months later and be like, I've still loved using your dice, got a natural 20, got a critical success on my check for my character today. And those moments are always so special to me because it's just a reminder, like something I made is being used like in a regular basis by somebody. So it's really cool. That's really cool. So you kind of already answered this a little bit in, you know, like your, your art journey and like the idea for your business, like the last couple of questions that I asked, but like, how did you get into making dice? And like, I, I know you talked about that a little bit, but like, what kind of kept you around to blow it kind of into a business? Like, what what about it do you like enough to blow it into a business? Because we all, we all like start to do things, right? Like we all go like, I've, I've done it so many times. I don't, well, I don't know if everyone does this. I might just be kind of weird, but like, I will see someone like example, wire wrapped jewelry i'm like that's awesome i'm gonna learn how to do that and so i'll go on amazon i'll buy like the wire and i'll buy some rocks and i'm like i'm gonna make some wire wrapped jewelry and then i do it once and i'm like okay that's enough not for me so like right. what what kept you around to like actually like blowing this like up and like turning it into a, a business like for yourself and like what what kind of i don't know if like passion passion's the word like kept like your passion for it like alive enough to say like no I actually like I love this so much that I want to share it with other people and turn it into a business yeah it's funny you you asked that because 
one of the most common questions um, I get from people who are just discovering that making your own dice is even possible through the videos on TikTok that I make is like, you know, where, how did you get your mold? Where'd you get your mold? How do you start off? Like, I want to do this. And, you know, I always recommend people like don't jump in full hog and try to make your, your own dice molds like I did because it is really hard. <laughs> and is resin it dangerous? Casting, yeah, it is, it is, it is <laughs> dangerous. You know, there's a lot of resin crafters out there that will show videos of, of themselves working and they're not even wearing like gloves or, you know, a, a safety respirator or goggles or anything like just in their bedroom working with resin. And I cringe every time because I'm like, oh, I hope that doesn't come back to bite you later because it can. But anytime someone's like, I want to make dice, I'm like, go, go on Etsy, go somewhere, find somebody who made like a single 20 sided die mold, get that for yourself, get some resin, get your protective gear and just try making one like from beginning to end and see if you like it because the finishing process is a pain in the butt. <laughs> the sanding and polishing that's required to, to make dice is a real, a real big bummer some of the time. So there was a big learning curve. This was my first adventure in resin casting was making dice. And so I went hard mode from the very beginning. <laughs> I wish I would have experimented with like just trays or like keychains or something ahead of time to kind of learn and grow my skill. But I think it kind of forced me to get better faster because I was trying to do these precise edges on everything. And then, you know, how did I continue to do it? How did I get past that rough point? I think sharing my work and really kind of connecting with other people who were just starting to learn um, the craft themselves and seeing the response to it, you know, it was really encouraging to what I was making and having that community of people really kind of is what kept me going. That's really cool. That's why I do ArtWise community for the community, yeah. which by the way, guys, we have a discord. If you're on discord, you should join. Not a shameless plug there, but if you want, no I'll, send you, Go for I'll it. send you the, I'll send you the link. If I don't know if you're on discord, but if, if I am, you are, please do. I'll, I'll send you the link to join as soon as we get off. But anyway, no, yeah, that's like one of the things I was really curious about too, because I actually don't think that I have had anyone that works with resin on the podcast yet much less like dice making and I know I know that it's difficult my mom has an Etsy shop and she makes she makes a bunch of stuff with resin but like a lot of it is like keychains and certain things and like every time like I talk to her when she's like doing like her resin stuff she's like outside with like full gloves and like a mask mm -hmm. and like I'm like oh my gosh that looks so so much work and like so much <laughs> precaution for like to make this tiny little keychain. Yeah. I'm just like, it's, it's really like, it really is dangerous guys. Like you really have to do your research before you delve into the, the resin stuff. Cause like, it really can be like crazy. I've seen people like melt their like finger tips off because they weren't yeah. using gloves it's it's really scary <laughs> the worst part about it is you know you can be fine from for weeks or months working with it and then develop like an incredible sensitivity all of a sudden and have lung problems and skin problems and stuff that just takes a really long time to go away if it ever does so yeah definitely definitely get that ppe absolutely even if you're doing it outside to get get a mask too because you don't want to be inhaling that stuff it smells crazy it's it's insane <laughs> yeah so one question that I had too was about like ideas and inspiration so I know sometimes you do like the custom stuff for people which obviously I'm assuming they would kind of tell you this is kind of what I want and then like you get ideas from that but dice that you make like for yourself or just like 
generally like to to sell the ideas that you get from that and like where where do you, where do those come from yeah i guess kind of playing off the the previous question about what's kept me going and doing it is i was always more of a 2d artist a 2d focused artist mm-hmm. and um thinking about myself crazy hunched over a mold pulling out like something that's just an inch long <laughs> and then staring at it under the light and you know looking at it it's just that reveal of you're not sure what it's going to look like until you take it out so there's like that little element of excitement and surprise that you know you can do something that you feel like turned out horrible and then you take it out and you're like oh my gosh it's amazing like how did I even do that I hope I wrote that recipe down or you can have a really what you think is a really great idea and then pull it out and some weird chemical reaction turned to brown and like you don't know you don't know how it's going to turn out but I'm always inspired by trying to take those 2D concepts or from like photographs that I see on on Pinterest or that my friends share from their travels on Facebook or whatever and kind of turn those into little vignettes in in dice form. So whether it's like a sunset, I've done a couple of sets based on that. I love space. You can't see this, but in the background, there's a bunch of space stuff in my office. And so I've done some galaxy inspired sets and those always do well. People love those as do I. And I I just, I like having little pieces of, of pictures that you can hold in your hand. Oh, they're so cool. I think I love galaxy stuff too. But I think uh, I think the dice that I saw on your account that I thought were like the coolest, I, I don't know if this is like what you would use to describe it, but they were like Western almost with like there's yeah. little cactuses in there. I was like, oh my gosh, that <laughs> is so cool. That probably took 10 years. <laughs> it did take a while. I think in total that that set probably took like seven hours <laughs> to wow. make. So what's like the average amount of time for doing a set? Well, from start to finish, just like a a design that involves one single pour, because that one you mentioned was multi-layered. There was like the pour for the ground level, and then I had to craft all the tiny little things that went inside and then encase them in in clear. But if it's just one single pour, it's between four and five hours per set, usually, because there's a, a hand polishing process that's involved. That's the lengthiest part and then you have to ink all of the numbers by hand with a small paintbrush as well and polish it all off at the end but there's something about that sort of process that's kind of meditative to me in a weird way just spending a couple hours meticulously checking things and and doing repetitive motions that it gets you in like the zone yeah no I'm also wondering too is it kind of I'm so bad at wording things for someone who hosts a podcast I literally feel like I say that every episode so like is that feeling that you get from like making the dice, is that like the same feeling that you get when you are doing like traditional or like to just 2D, like drawing, painting, I don't like whatever art, is it like the same feeling or is it like amplified and you like it more and you're more passionate about it and like that's why you turned it into your to your business or is it just like kind of like the same but like different and like this has like a community and the demand like I don't know how how does that like work or look for you I'd say it's pretty similar you know I will have a moment of honesty here but every time I finish something and I'm proud of what it looked like or how it turned out I will spend like every couple days I'll come back to it and look at it again and be like oh yeah I did a good job on that So like being able to to have something that you can hold and look at from different angles like that, or if I do a character illustration that I'm really proud of, I just, I get satisfaction from feeling like I was able to capture an idea the way I wanted, whether it was my own or somebody else's. 
And I, I do have a really big passion for, for tabletop role-playing games. They're storytelling games at their, at their core. So it's almost like a little branch of that story is to be able to have like something that connects to, to the character that you're playing, whether it's the artwork that represents them for you and the people you're playing with so they can visualize what they look like or the dice that you get to roll that determine their decisions. Like sometimes it's life or death, you know, depending on what you're rolling for. So I think what's what, what kept me wanting to make it a business is that I had always wanted to grow the, the basis of my illustration work into something more. And the dice making process was almost like the perfect way to to combine it and build upon that in something that I felt could create more of a more of a brand, more of a direction for me to go in. And I already have ideas for like other things I'm I'm planning on on doing and, and offering in my in my shop and showing off on my on my website in the future. That's awesome. So this is a question that I'm asking because I I'm not really in this space very much. <laughs> and I don't know if my listeners are. I'm sure a lot of them are. But I I played D&D in high school a little bit. I had like a group of friends that I played with. Were we doing it right? I don't know. I have no idea. We had fun though. Um, we only did it then a few times. Then you were times. doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> we only did it a few times. But I am wondering too, like, is... So I'm assuming like D&D is the main thing that you would use like a dice set like that for. Is there other things that you've seen people use the dice for that are like, oh, that's cool. I wouldn't think to use it for that or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think D&D is the big one. That's the system that's kind of going through a big renaissance right now with all of the Let's Play shows and podcasts that are out there with you know voice actors and like Critical Role is a big one. But there are plenty of other systems where the standard seven different dice um, shapes are used in. And like uh, Pathfinder, there's even a couple like Vampire the Masquerade that use only the 10-sided die. So people will create like sets of 10 10 sided die versus seven different ones there's some that use just d6s which is the square cube shaped dice everybody's used to if you say dice that's what they picture um yeah there's there's a bunch out there and uh, there's even some people who have i haven't been able to work on it yet because my schedule hasn't worked out with them but there have been a few people over the years that have contacted me wanting to create dice specifically for special occasions in their life. Like they wanted to put in a paper that said, will you marry me? So they could propose to their significant other who also loves playing games with them. There's people who have wanted memorial sets that include the cremated remains of like a pet or a loved one, you know, that was by their side while they were playing or while they were experiencing a time in their life. And it's really cool to me how there's so many different branches and aspects that that dice can play. I never would have thought of it getting started, but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I always think about that because I I don't know. My roommates are really into, I don't even know if this needs dice. I don't feel like it would, but I also don't really know. Oh, it does need dice. I played this game once. So Magic the Gathering, it needs a, a dice. And there's always like my cats will get up on the table and they'll just like knock it onto the floor always. <laughs> and they're always like, oh my gosh, where'd the dice go? And I'm like, oh, well, my cat just doesn't like when it's on the table. So you should just probably put it away when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Magic the Gathering does use dice. I'll get a little nerdy for a minute. So when you're playing a, a tabletop role playing game, the uh, D20 is what they're called. They're the 20 sided die mm -hmm. that are kind of the most spherical of the bunch. The numbers, whenever you're rolling them would 
be like there's a high number on one side and, and a lower one on the other so that it's kind of more of a a sort of a balanced role, I guess you could say. That's a that's a buzzword for dice makers, balanced. We get a lot of flack about that in the handmade market. But for Magic the Gathering, they use spin downs because it's how you keep track of your hit points. So it'll be like the 20 and then the 19s next to it, and then it counts all the way down to one on the other side. So those are less commonly used because people have the idea that they could never roll right if all the numbers are <laughs> next to each other. Yeah, that's really cool. That, there's a, I guess there's a lot more stuff than I thought that requires dice. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you said this earlier, but like, so when people buy from you, they can customize like the set itself too. So like if they wanted like, a, like all D20s, like they could do that instead of just like having different kinds too. It's definitely an option. I don't tend to offer it because certain dice take a lot um, more finishing time than others. So it kind of complicates the the pricing (laughs) breakdown. So those are orders that I would usually have to deal with like in a bunch of different emails to to hash them out. I've done some expanded sets where like somebody has wanted extra four-sided die because their character has a weapon that uses those. But I tend to just stick to the the standard seven sets of dice because that's the most common and it's kind of the easiest for me to make molds of and mold making is the bane of my existence. So (laughs) I try not to, to make a bunch of extras unless I absolutely need to. That's cool. So I'm going to circle back a little bit because I know you talked about having like, you know, like your, your nine to five doing, you know, graphic design and other art things. And we talked a little bit about balancing that, but do you have any advice for someone trying to do the same, the same thing? Like any like specific advice about that? Specifically for dice making, you know, like I said before, try it out, see if it's something you can handle doing. There are plenty of artists who before um, the pandemic hit were just doing it as a hobby and then were either laid off from their positions or couldn't return to work because it was unsafe for them. And they were almost forced to turn what they were doing from a small endeavor of like occasionally posting things for sale and selling them to growing a business and making it their full-time job. And there are quite a few that I've done so very successfully. I haven't chosen to do that just because I feel if I made it my full-time job, I would grow to hate it (laughs) almost. You know, I, I think I've discovered about myself that I need something that I'm less attached to, but still obviously have a passion for enough to show up every day and do. But something that I'm I'm, I have a less of an interest in or a less of a, like, I'm going to be doing this for the next 50 years of my life kind of thing to, to separate that from the stuff that kind of makes me happier at the end of the day. Um, but for anybody who's who's getting into turning anything they're passionate about into a job, you know, it, it's a really difficult thing, I think, for a lot of people because we put so much of ourselves as artists into what we make. And therefore, every negative reaction or critique or non-reaction, if you post something and it gets like next to zero traffic and you spend hours on it, can really kind of hit you hard (laughs) sometimes. And it's difficult to to not assign your your self-worth to your work when it becomes your source of income. So, you know, if you're if you're planning on turning um, your artwork into a business, I always suggest diversifying what you're offering. You know, there's kind of like in in the realm of of D&D, I have a good friend of mine who's also in the dice making um, business who has begun creating downloadable templates for character sheets and things like that that she's designed and illustrated. 
as a way for that to always exist in her shop as something that's on the less expensive side, but still, you know, unique and something that they can feel is custom to them if it fits their character right. And, you know, come up with things that projects that take you more time that you can post the process of for a while and get more involved in, but also have things that take you less time, that have that little burst of serotonin to, to break up the 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 grunge of like doing stuff for hours and hours and days and days. Yeah. I am a like self-proclaimed uh, workaholic, I, I would say. And that's something that I really, really have struggled with for a long time. And I'm just now this year being like, okay, I have to force myself to like not work myself to death because the past three months, especially, you know, I had my eight to five. That was really like more like an eight to six or seven most days. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I had my business that I have been trying to start for the past few months and like get the website up and all that stuff. And then I had my other two contract jobs that were like, I could work as much as I want, but like realistically, if I needed the money, I would do like a lot more. And then on top of that, I was recording for the podcast. So I wasn't like leaving any time for myself. And like in February, my health really took a, a toll for that. So, you know, it really like when people say like, oh, like make time for yourself and make time for things that like are more like fulfilling and like recharge you, like it's dead serious, dead serious. Like <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, you can, but like you, your body will pay the price, the price yes. for it. So, and I'm living, living proof of that. So another question that I had too about having you know, like your regular like graphic design job and then also having your business. How do you find, what's the word that I'm looking to use? I don't think there is one. So I think I will just have to describe it. How, how do you like find creative energy to do both? Because I find that, you know, when I like go and I, you know, and I work all day and it's like a nine, 10 hour day, and all I did was, because your job is a creative as well, all I did was make stuff and, you know, design and graphic design and all that. The last thing I want to do is make more stuff. But when you're treating it as a business, you don't really have that option. Is there a way that you kind of counteract that? I don't know if you even have that feeling. So like, do you? But if you do, is there like a way to counteract that that you found works well for you? I definitely do. And my answer is probably a, a weird counterintuitive one. But I've taken breaks before from doing my side business because I was so kind of burnt out from doing my day job that I didn't want to do anything else. And what's sort of helped me in those moments is to like open up a few character illustration commission slots because when I have somebody who's expecting me to make something for them and it's a process that I still do enjoy, but I have, you know, money tied to the end result and somebody's respect for me as an artist tied to the end result, it forces me to do it. And it kind of turns on those, those things in my brain again to remember like, oh yeah, this is fun. Why did I not do this until I was like forced to? And I try to remember like in those moments, remember this feeling. This is why you like doing what you do. This is what you get to come back to. It should be more of an escape than a extra obligation. And that can be the tricky part about, about turning it into a business. You know, I, because I've kept my, my full-time job outside of it, I do have the luxury uh, of taking a step back and taking those breaks to kind of find the passion again in between. 
And that's not possible for everybody. So it's really, really hard. You know, I think I used to set a certain chunk of time in the mornings, like while I was eating breakfast to just take out a sketchbook and draw whatever in it and not care what it was just to get that like muscle memory going and the those parts in your brain that fire off when you create and and keep that there. And I, that has helped me, I think, for sure. I have to do that again. It's been a long time. <laughs> I think I'm starting to feel it. That is a really good idea. I would actually, anyone who's listening to this podcast, even if you're not a is drawer, even a word, even if you don't really draw, like if you're if you're like a painter, or if you're a graphic designer, like I would recommend that to anyone who like wants to exercise that creative muscle because I in in the same way, like I, especially with having, you know, a job in graphic design, I've been working as a graphic designer for, it's been about four years now. I started out when I was 18 and like, I did not have energy to do or make anything else. Like I could not like even like the idea of, and it was sad too, because like all through, you know, high school, like knowing that I wanted to be an artist, I drew all the time. And like, I had all these art assignments and I had like a lot of fun with it. And then, you know, going from, you know, having that kind of environment to like a corporate graphic design environment, pretty much like immediately with no transition period, it was just kind of like, Every time I sat down to draw something, it it was like I would have like these bursts of like one month where I would be like, okay, I'm going to start drawing again. I would draw all the time and then I would fall back into that pattern of like, oh my gosh, like I just got home from work. I had an hour long commute all the way from, you know, downtown where my office is and like the last thing I want to do is draw. I just spent all day making stuff. I don't want to make anything. So I think that's like a really, really good practice that is really helpful is just like, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be anything. Just do it. And like, it'll get like the muscle. Cause like everything that you do is like a muscle too. I think a lot of people forget that. Like if you are like, okay, so like say you're a lobster. (laughs) I'm ready for this. (laughs) So you're a lobster in a grocery store. You're in the tank. Okay. You have your, you're with your lobster friends. Okay. You have the little rubber bands around your claws. And then like some guy decides I'm not going to eat this lobster. I'm going to adopt you. And so you get adopted and you get put in a tank. Okay. And the guy goes, all right, I'm going to, you know, clip the rubber bands off your claws and you go and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to use these claws. And then you try to move them and they don't move because you haven't been able to use them the whole Mm -hmm. time you were at the grocery store. It's like that, like art block will get worse if you don't force yourself to make something, even if it's like not good. Cause like once you start, you know, maybe you say, Oh, I'm going to like try and pick up that rock and you're able to like move your little claws like a little bit. And you're like, okay, I got this tiny little rock. And like the more you do it, the easier it's going to be to start making stuff again. And I'm still in the process of, of getting my claws to fully open Mm -hmm. after the past four years of trying to, to, you know, put aside like my personal art and my illustration work and the things that I like to do for, you know, for graphic design, because like, even though like sometimes I'll be like, okay, well maybe I'll try like opening my claw today. I'll do it like once or twice. And then I go back into that habit of, you know, not creating. And that's uh, another reason I'm really excited that I was able to leave my job because I am really like optimistic about 
being able to make things consistently again and not having to worry about falling into the pattern of being so exhausted. So, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. I think there's a weird pressure that comes from people sharing their sketchbooks online because anytime somebody's sharing something on social media, it's always a highlight reel. So they're sharing the best page or the best drawing on the page or the video that shows the best pages that they've done. And it sort of subconsciously creates the idea in your mind that you can't make bad art. Is there bad yeah. art? That's another question. That's a, that's a podcast on its own. But, you know, it's it's okay to just make stuff that you never look at again in your life, just to get your hand moving, just to get your your body moving, whatever it is, you know, just do do something and try to remember why you wanted to do it in the first place. Yeah, that is literally something that we've talked about on a past episode recently with the guest was Rochelle Lum. And she's an, an art therapist, among other things. And we, we were talking about art block, I guess art block in that episode too. And that's like something that we we touched on was like another thing is like if you get an idea, even if you're like, oh, God, that's a horrible idea. Just do it anyway and get it out of your system and it'll clear the space for the better stuff to like come come through. Because if you like example, example and the example I gave in that episode, I wanted to draw a frog with boobs. And until I drew that, I couldn't think about drawing anything else. And it's stupid. And it's dumb. And I was like, why did I do that? I don't know. I just like, it was an accident. Like, I don't know why, like, the reason I thought of it was because like, I misinterpreted something that someone said about, you know, they were talking about frogs. And someone said like, Oh, you know, this and I was like, Oh, wait, a frog with boobs. And they were like, No, that's not what I meant. And I was like, that's what I meant. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just had the brain happen. worm. <laughs> exactly. And like, you know, frog, they're amphibians. They don't need that. But it's like, you know, sometimes it just needs to leave the system for something else to come through. And I think that's like super, super important. Super oh, yeah. important. <laughs> I try not to ignore those moments or treat them as like, stupid or dumb because like there's if that drive is in you to make something no matter how silly it is you're gonna feel better once you've done it and maybe along the way you'll get inspired to do something different or like something close but in a different direction that's happened to me so many times and like I've been like no I'm not gonna draw that stupid thing why would I do that and then you know maybe that's the post that gets you connected to somebody else or inspires you or gets you a client here and there like you you never know what's going to happen years ago i i drew a big topic of dungeons and dragons or a big part of it is the monsters that you can face like while you're adventuring and decide to kill or not <laughs> depending on your character and one of them is called a displacer beast and it's basically a big black panther that has six legs and these tendrils on the on its back with these like little venomous pads on the end. Don't come for me, D&D people who watch this in case I describe that wrong. But I decided like, how cute would it be if it was like a little kitten? Like, what if I drew a kitten version of it when it was a little baby? And I, I posted that online. And then a couple of weeks later, a couple contacted me because they wanted to do a version of it based on their cat for their wedding invitations. So somewhere out there, I was a part of somebody's little nerdy wedding invitation. I was like, how cool is that? That never would have happened if I just tossed that idea to the side. That's really cool. No, I have a drawing that's D&D inspired that I did recently. Now I feel like I need to show you. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. So, well, I guess it wasn't that recently. Time does not exist for me at all. I'm like thinking (laughs) like, oh, this was so recent. And then I'm like, wait, you did this for Inktober. That was like six months ago already, right? Oh, wait, wait, October, November, December, January, February, March, six. Ew, I don't like (laughs) thinking about the passing of time like that. But I did it for, so uh, there's an artist that I follow on Instagram and her name is Isabi, like is I think it's like Isabel, but like Isabi, and like I I love her work, and she, as a lot of artists do, made like her own sort of like spin on Inktober, and she did uh, Pinktober, and I think day two was dice, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna do like a little dragon holding a dice, <laughs> and so I like this. I love him, adorable. He's so nice. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite little illustrations that I've ever done. And it only took like 20 minutes. So it's like, that's like the thing too, is like exercises like that are great, in my opinion, anyway, like, like Inktober and things mm-hmm. that get you drawing every day. And you don't have to put a lot of time into it at all. And the best part is if you have an idea that you think is really stupid, and then you do the drawing right like or like whatever like the illustration the painting whatever and like you actually make it and then after you're done with it you're thinking oh that was exactly as stupid as I thought it was gonna be the best part is you don't have to show anyone like it's allowed to just exist in like a void and never be shown to anyone ever and to only be found like when you're moving and then like you move something and then it's like behind a shelf or something and you find (laughs) it and you're like oh my god I forgot about that and then like you can either like sell it burn it or paint over it (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm so glad all of my 800 sketchbooks full of anime fan art from when I was like 12 and 13 never saw the light of day anywhere except for the other pages that were next to them because that's a part of me but something I don't want to revisit (laughs) oh my gosh I recently posted mine on TikTok and that's something that like (sighs) I like to share because I mean, everyone, I feel like a lot of artists too, especially the artists that go through that whole anime, comic book, copying stuff like phase. Like, I feel like that's how a lot of artists learn. That's how I learned. And I literally posted, like, I found the oldest sketchbook that I have. I think it was, like, sixth or seventh grade. I was literally, like, 12. Mm -hmm. And I did a sketchbook tour of it on TikTok. And I was, like, I'm not even, like, mad. Like, it is cringy, but... I feel like everyone has the same experience. So like posting it was it's not true. even, it's no longer like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Like maybe in high school, like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. But like now that I'm an adult, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's so cool. Like how far like of a journey I've had to make it to where I am. And I never like stepped off the path. I mean, there's been curves and weird little like divots in the path that I've never completely just been like you know what screw art right am I right I'm not doing this anymore you know so like that's I don't know really cool and inspiring I love it but again you have that option to never show anyone (laughs) bad art bad art is not a crime no one will arrest (laughs) you for having bad art (laughs) because and again like you said there might not be such a thing as bad art because art is subjective and that's your opinion if it's bad. So, <laughs> yeah. So the next thing that I was going to ask you is um, back 
again <laughs> to the whole nine to five. So I was going to ask if you prefer working a nine to five and creating personal work at the same time, or do you think that there could be benefits to focusing on one more than the other because of like the passion behind it and not just like I do this to pay the bills, like either, either or one or the other. Yeah. I think it's a really individual question to ask. So from my perspective, personally, I, I don't think that I could continue making fantasy figments my full-time job unless I was really able to grow it and have those sort of passive income streams that I mentioned, because I can't see myself working on only that full time because as it is when I'm reporting to a digital office now I in my mind can shut off okay it's five or six o'clock let's shut this down go for a walk go do something and I don't have to open my email again I don't have to do that but when you turn your craft and your small business into your full-time job I think I would really struggle not to check my email every single hour of the day or feel like I need to work on everything all the time. And then it's even more than a full-time job, <laughs> like at that oh, point. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I always, like when I'm meeting somebody, I try to avoid the cliche of like, so what do you do? Like as the question when I'm, when I'm talking to them, because, and, and then like turn it into more of like, so what do you like to do? <laughs> because, you know, for me, obviously like I'm, I have a passion for graphic design It's what got me into it in the first place. And I still use all of those skills, especially in creating items for my, my own business and have used them in many different areas. You know, it's been really valuable to, to learn those, but I, I don't, like to tell people like I'm a graphic designer because I feel like I'm so much more than that. There's like so much more that interesting aspects of me than just, just that. So if they ask, you know, what do you do? I'll, I'll answer. But whenever I meet somebody, I always try to, to figure out like, who are you on the weekend? You know, what is, what do you do in your, when you don't have to worry about paying your bills, what are you passionate about? And that's really what I think comes down to like the core of a person. So for me, if I were to turn what is currently a passion of mine that is also a secondary source of income into the only thing that I did, I would, I would lose what I love about it. And I don't want to do that. So for now, it's a good balance for me. And this could change in the future. Who knows? Maybe two years from now, I'll look back at this and be like, how dumb was I? Look at me doing this full time and loving it. But at the moment, I just don't think that that's a possibility for me. I was going to say, so Actually, like a lot of people feel the same way that, that you do. I know we're kind of actually in like an age too of like people quitting their eight to five, nine to five corporate job and being like, I'm going to start my own bit. Like that's literally like happening. So we're in the middle of the great resignation. I just resigned yesterday. I just joined mm -hmm. the great resignation. We're in the middle of the great resignation. Uh and I think for for a pretty like valid, valid reason, but I have also met a lot of people who completely are, are on the same side of you as you where they're like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I work the hours I'm supposed to work and then I turn my computer off and I can do whatever I want. And that is like something that I don't think a lot of people think about before they start their business. Like I said, self-proclaimed workaholic here, I continuously will answer emails from 
my eight to five when I'm not working, which I am not supposed to do. But mm-hmm. I, if it sits there, it bothers me and I'm the same. And I know no matter what I do, that's how I'm going to be. That's just how I am. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten in trouble for it a lot, which is another reason why I was like, oh, leaving this job is probably better for me anyway. Because, you know, if I'm doing my own thing and I'm doing my freelance and my um, – you know, stuff that I have like control over. Nobody's going to yell at me and be like, you can't keep answering emails when you're off the clock, Caitlin. Like, (laughs) but yeah. And honestly, oh, that's another thing I was going to say too. If someone asks me like, oh, who are you on the weekends? I think I would panic because (laughs) I'm, I'm the same. No, I'm literally the same, but I will say I don't make money off of this podcast and I love doing this. So that's, that's something. (laughs) There you go. But I have turned it into like work. I know a lot of people, they're like, oh, like trying to like schedule with me to be on the podcast. I'm sending like my full Calendly link and I have a calendar and like I record like like six episodes a week on top of a full-time job on top of <laughs> all the goodness. other stuff I'm doing. And they're like, are you really doing it like this? Like, is this, and I'm like, it's the only way it's going to get done is if it's <laughs> like in- incredibly type A, which is hilarious because my blood type is not A, it's B. But yeah, it's like incredibly type A, overly er- organized, very Virgo. I'm not a Virgo either. I have no Virgo placements, <laughs> but it's the only way it's going to get done. <laughs> You know, if you know yourself and you know that's how you work, then I say embrace it. You know, obviously keep in mind balance like we all try to do, but everybody works differently. Everybody's brains work differently. And if that's what works and that's what gets you in the groove, I mean, why not? And (laughs) we're in we're in like a weird hustle culture, too, at like the same time as the Great Resignation. And there's like a weird there's always like these weird pressures. Maybe they're just perceived by me, but I think there's this like weird pressure that if you do something as a hobby, like somebody out there is going to be like, you know, you could sell that on online. You could, you could put that on Etsy. You could offer that service. I'm that person. I'm that person. I'm so bad. I'm so bad about it. I literally said that to someone like yesterday. I'm not even kidding. And that's the thing too, is like, that's not how I naturally work either. Like doing the Calendly, because that's, for those of you listening, that's how I schedule my episodes is. And I think I've decided on like a set schedule where I'm going to record for three months and then I am going to play the episodes for three months and then I'll start recording again. And I'm going to do it on and off until I absolutely need a break Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm doing this by myself. And like, ultimately I very could, well could need a break. Although I haven't yet. So <laughs> maybe I won't. You know, some podcasts like don't go have like off seasons. They just are constant. So this is not how I would naturally work. So like if it were completely up to me, I would just get a list of everybody's uh, like contact information that wanted to be on the podcast. And I would just randomly call everyone at completely. You would not know when. You would not know when you might receive like a call, you know, like an email from me at like 3 a.m. Like, hey, can you do it now? Like, realistically, if I had to decide, that is how I would do it. But that cannot be done when you are coordinating with people who have lives and schedules that are completely (laughs) different outside of yours, which is why I ended up doing the Calendly link. And I do Calendly for my business, too, because like, realistically, like. The way that my brain wants to work is like sitting in bed at 3 a.m., can't sleep, like, you know what? You might as well just do this right now. And that is the time that everything would get done. But unfortunately, when you're working with other people, you kind of have to force yourself to work in ways, which I actually am like, I actually quite like 
But at the same time, something that I do with ArtWise that I haven't really talked about is like when I record episodes. So I set it up for myself since, you know, I do have until April 1st anyway, I do have a full time job that I do in conjunction with this. And so what I did, I was like, I could probably do four days a week, which was a mistake. I'm not doing that again. Next time I record, it's it's three days at most. But I was like, I could probably do four days a week. And I made it like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So those were the days that I was like available to record. And Saturday, Sunday are like my only like quote unquote off days, which they're not really off days because I always end up working over the weekend anyway, because I have contract work that I do. But like, mm-hmm. that's the way that I, I record art wise is like, I, I set myself up on a schedule. And I said three days off from recording is enough. It's not. And yeah, that, that's just how I did it for ArtWise. For anyone who's wondering, like, or wanted behind the scenes info is like, I, I have a Calendly link and I everyone who is interested in being on the podcast gets sent the Calendly link and they schedule their own episodes because I have no idea how else I would do. I would coordinate with people because everyone has completely different schedules. Everyone's in different time zones. Well, not everyone. I think we're in the same time zone, actually. But sometimes people are in completely different time zones. So that was oh, wow. that was interesting to, to coordinate. But Calendly switches everyone's uh, like time zones so that it matches. Mm. So it makes it so much easier. So if you're if you're trying to start a podcast and you are trying to have on a bunch of guests, I recommend Calendly. Calendly's pretty awesome. So <laughs> the last question that I always again, this is the second question that I ask every person on Artwise. And it's, I think it's important because it's my way of throwing a little bit of like therapy into the podcast therapy, shadow work, whatever you want to call it. But the question is, if you could give your younger self or maybe, I don't know, if you don't want to talk to your younger self, maybe somebody who's wanting to do a similar thing as exactly what they're doing what you're doing right now like your life is their dream what advice would you give them don't stress about it (laughs) for me I've had like kind of a, a really a side story here but I think it kind of will tie things together pretty nicely in terms of that is you know you asked when I was younger did I always want to be an artist and you know not right away I think my first dream job as a kid was to be an astronaut like I always <laughs> always have had a passion for space and then when I grew up and realized that like I really was not good at math at all the stem field was not for me that sort of fell to the wayside but I've always continued to be passionate about it from a visual sense and in an art sense and went to college and did not focus on that at all. And then got this full-time job as a graphic designer and didn't really focus on it at all. But I've met a few of my coworkers over the years where I have worked for the past seven years and they have learned that about me, that I was interested and had a passion for for space and, and the NASA administration and that they've shared with me opportunities that they've come across to to create artwork or to collaborate with with people in that in that realm and recently I had a piece of mine actually on display at Kennedy Space Center that I created That's um, awesome. and I never would have had that opportunity or connection if I hadn't gone down the path I did and just continued to try to be myself and share the passions that I have that may not be what pays the bills it may not be what's on my resume, you know, as, as aspects of, of myself. And I think 
if you try not to lose who you are and what you love and you are open to sharing those things with people, stuff is going to fall into place one way or another for you. You know, whether it's just being making something you're proud of or all the way to like the opportunity I, I just shared, like having your work be as close as it's going to get. Like I had another piece of mine actually go to the International Space Station. So my art's been to space, even if I have it. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's great advice. Be yourself, authentically you, and do whatever you want. It's not about money. And also, hustle culture is disgusting. And yes, toxic. we hate it. Yeah, even though like I actively do it, like <laughs> we do, we do it and we hate it. It's not even like oh, like I I will sit here and talk crap about hustle culture all day, and then I'll like turn around to, and do it because of just <laughs> like naturally I am just yeah. I have a, a horrible horrible <laughs> habit of turning every creative endeavor I do into something I can monetize. And I've tried really hard to not do that with one thing that I have a passion about, and that's cosplay. Like ever since I was in like eighth grade, I've been creating costumes and going to conventions. And not once have I let myself turn that into something that I can monetize, even if like certain aspects of it, I, I really like and think I could like prop making, which also kind of goes hand in hand with resin crafting. I've just had to be like, no, you can't do that. You, you need this one thing that is just for fun. And that has also helped me a lot. Yes. That's what art wise is for me. So I, I have one of those things too. That is literally art wise. I don't make any money off of this podcast. If you hear a sponsorship on a future episode, I failed, but <laughs> I'm actively trying to not make it about money. I need to have something that's, you know, just for, for me and for you and for everybody. And it's like a fun thing. We all get to learn about each other and it's like a cute little community, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't consider it a failure if it if it does happen one day because it would mean that you have more of a, a reason and are able to continue it. Maybe that sponsorship is what allows you to keep keep doing it and find that chunk of time and set it aside from all of your other contract work to be able to do it. And doing this is awesome. Hearing all the perspectives of different people. I was listening to some previous episodes before we recorded today and just some things I never even thought about or said. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I need to listen to more podcasts, basically. I, when I tell you, like, make a podcast, make an art podcast, do it. Like, I have learned, not only have I learned so much from art, from just making art-wise in general, but this season specifically, because season one, the season that is currently out, by the time you, you guys are listening to this, most a, a lot of the episodes for season two, like, will be out but at this point uh, a lot of season one isn't interviews season two is all interviews like exclusively there is nothing else and I wasn't going to do it that way and then I started talking to people and I said wow this is going to be more useful than anything I have to say so but I have I've just learned so much more than I ever could I have a college degree useless I've learned more <laughs> recording this podcast uh, than I than I have from my degree. I've learned not not only like stuff about other people and their journeys, but like I've gotten so much advice, which is the purpose of the last question. I've I've gotten so much like good advice that it's like, you know what, maybe that's why I'm having problems with certain things because like I'm not doing that or following that and no one's ever told me that before. I have literally gotten a 
contract like freelance job from this podcast because Amazing. of and I've like made so many friends we made the discord the Discord's gonna be sick I can't wait <laughs> so the discord at the time that we're recording this right now in, in March the discord's brand new and there's not a whole lot on there but I ha- have a lot of optimism and confidence that by the time this episode comes out that the discord's gonna be popping all right we'll see how it goes though we'll see but yeah, so we're at we're at over an hour now. So it is officially self promo time. So go ahead, all of your social media, where people can find you, how they can support you, your business, any other like services you provide that you want to promote, Kickstarters, GoFundMe's, like whatever. It's the floor is yours. <laughs> sure, I'm Fantasy Figments pretty much everywhere: Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, TikTok. Come chat with me about role playing games, even if you don't necessarily know what they are or know what dice making is at all because I will talk you off about it. I love it. In terms of supporting me, I mean, I have a, a, a Ko-Fi or coffee, however you say it, but I don't expect people to randomly tip me. You know, I'm just more interested in, in meeting people that, that like what I like. So if you come and check out my work and you want to learn more about how to do what I'm doing, drop me an email or a DM anywhere and I'm happy to chat. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap it up? I don't think so. All right. Awesome. So as always, guys, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, five stars really helps us out. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, we have an Instagram account at Artwise Podcast, and there's links to the Discord and all of the different platforms that Artwise is on through the Instagram, and there's lots of behind the scenes stuff. So if you want to join the Discord, check there for the join link. And I think that's it. So Yeah. Thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on. It's been awesome. I love this episode. It was really cool to hear about like all your experiences and your business and everything. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. I talked about some stuff I hadn't thought about in a while. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, And I will see all of you. Well, I will. You will hear me next Tuesday. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 